to another episode of Uncorked. This week on the podcast, we have a dear friend, an old friend, an incredible human who will always be too humble to sing her own praises, a former professional triathlete from the US of A, Lindsay Corbin. Ah, oh, it is such a delight to riff with Lindsay as she comes to the end of a 17-year career racing around the world, winning races, landing on podiums, stealing the hearts of all of the fans, racing with so much grit. She's also one of the longest standing, especially female professional triathletes, and she has broken femurs, broken bones, and then returned and returned feistier and grittier than ever. What we don't know is what it's like to retire from nearly two decades of day in and day out rigor and what the other side is all about. I think it's especially interesting to learn from an athlete who considers new chapters with such distinctiveness, whereas sometimes in the corporate world, it can feel more like lily pad hopping. You go from one to another, no one really bats an eye. This is especially interesting at this time of the economic climate when the recession is real and layoffs and downsizing are happening and people are making these choices not on their own terms. So I wanted to get Linz on the pod to riff on what it was like to end a professional athletic career also not on her own terms. A set of crutches and another broken femur knocked her out of her final world championship in fact, it was going to be the best party of 2022, and we were all meeting on the big island of Hawaii to celebrate her retirement. And instead, she packed her bags and headed off to Paris, to France, for a lifelong trip with her sister. Ah, there's so much wisdom and truth and juice and love and joy in a conversation with Lindsay Corbin. I hope you follow her on the gram. She and her husband, Chris, are something to aspire to. And if you don't follow her on the gram, enjoy this next conversation. It was something that I was so grateful to have. And I hope you too are grateful to listen to. Thanks, Lindsay. Lindsay Corbin, welcome to the pod. It is such a freaking honor to have you. Hi, Steph. I'm so glad to be here. You're one of my favorite people to talk with. So thanks for having me. Ah, bless. Well, I hope I have some of your new favorite questions of 2023 as well. And before we dive in to all of my favorite questions for you, can you introduce yourself as you are now in 2023? Who is Lindsay Corbin? Yeah. So my name is Lindsay Corbin and this intro is probably going to be the hardest intro of all of them to do in that for years, I could say that I was a professional triathlete and I am recently retired and trying to figure out what I'm doing next. I guess you could say my name is Lindsay Corbin and I am in a state of transition while living my best life in 2023. (laughs) Yes, you are. My name is Lindsay Corbin and I am living my best life is probably the best introduction I have heard. Yes. (laughs) Oh, bless. Where are you in the world right now? Yeah. So I am at home in Bend, Oregon, which is where I actually grew up and have lived since 2013 when I moved back. So 
awesome. Oh, right on. Bend is known for many things. It's also known to be home to many triathletes, professional triathletes, and a beautiful training ground. And I am curious how it feels to retire and still feel like you're in like the center hub of so many incredible human beings. What's that like? Yeah. You know, the beauty of Bend is it doesn't even matter where you are. You can be in the grocery store and the person behind you is some elite athlete that you've probably never heard of. So I do appreciate. And I think one of the reasons why we love Bend is it's just such an active town, an active, healthy community. And so even though I'm no longer a professional athlete, like I'm still an athlete, right. And still very health conscious, active, conscious, leading an active lifestyle. And so I guess it doesn't feel that weird to be here because yeah, you're surrounded by people all the time that are staying active and moving. Like yesterday it was two degrees Fahrenheit outside and I saw at least 10 people running at the same time I did. So I was like, I'm not really that crazy. (laughs) You are not that crazy. Okay. Got it. So clear. I think all these people were out while you were like on a treadmill or inside on your bike and everyone in Bend is previously in your different life. And now you're just outside with everyone else. Is that how it goes? Yeah, it is. I actually was telling Chris about like one of the reasons why I think training is so enjoyable now is that I'm not attached to like any metrics or numbers or specific goals. And so it's like, I can go run in two degree weather. And if you have a bad run, it doesn't matter. Like I have no coach to answer to. I have no Strava to live up to. I have currently like no imminent race on the calendar. So it literally is just like moving for joy and enjoyment and just to make you a better person. So yeah, I go out and I, well, I would say most of the time get it done in any conditions. Cause it really doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> not like um, it used to at least. Yeah. Not like it used to. And what I heard you just say is like you run or you move because it makes you a better person. And imagine that was actually what training could have been like, you knew it made you a better athlete and it was your job and it was your vocation and your dharma. And of course, and how beautiful that now you're at a place where you'll move to be a better you. And that's so special. Yeah, no, it's been a really interesting phenomenon almost over the last few weeks as I've only just started, I had an injury right before I retired. So I only started back running maybe six or eight weeks ago. I'm totally like living that runner's high on every single run because I am fairly busy now. And so my window to go run literally is like your time to think and like turn your brain off. And I'm getting all these creative ideas while I'm out running and I come back and I feel refreshed and rejuvenated. And I am running with a watch, but I have like no heart rate monitor on. I'm not looking at any data or anything. And so it's just such a juxtaposition of how I was running for so many years, being so data-driven and specificity-driven. And now it's just literally like running for joy and running because it makes you a better person and running because it's your one free hour in the day. And so I don't know if that's like why I'm loving it as much as I am, but it has been a shift that I was not expecting and did not see coming at all. But literally like every run I come back and I'm like, this is what runner's high is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. It has me want to ask you two questions. One is, do you find it hard to not have the structure of a coach or the motivation of a looming race to want to get out the door every day and like make the most of that hour, make the most of that time. Yeah, no, it has not been as challenging as I thought it would. I think beforehand I had a lot of anxiety of like, what's it going to be like? And 
a lot of my colleague, professional female triathletes kind of have all retired in a recent time range. And it's so interesting that everyone has a different path of how they take post-retirement and or post-professional career and into retirement. And one of the number one questions everyone asks me is like, well, what race are you doing? Are you going to do Unbound? Are you going to come back and do one more Ironman? Or are you going to do Leadville or, or what are you training for? And it's kind of nice to just have the freedom for me personally, like to not be attached to anything. Like, I think that I was more than ready just to have some freedom and not have any specific thing on the calendar. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. And I'm not having a hard time. Like what motivates me is I'm training basically for fitness. I'm training to be a better person. I'd like almost joke I'm training for life, but yeah. <laughs> really, I think also like this year I've coined as my year of yes. And so if anything, I'm like, I'm training for someone to invite me on an adventure. <laughs> I can say, <laughs> yes, like I'm relatively fit enough that I can do it. And so honestly, yeah, I just think I'm training for fitness and training for life, which sounds so corny, but for me personally, like that rings very true. So yeah, please. I think there's nothing but joy in the corny and made the corny be so true. So that's amazing. <laughs> that being said, you also spoke to the reality that your season ended because of injury. So the last hurrah that would have been Kona 2022, you weren't there. And I don't want to ask in a leading way, like, do you feel like you have unfinished business? It's more like, what is it like to have your career end not on your own terms? I am lucky to be married to the most amazing human being on earth who is part sports psychologist and he doesn't even know it, <laughs> but he definitely coached me into my retirement mentally of like how to prepare for it, that there would be the safe landing net. And he reminded me several times that most people don't get to retire on their own terms. And most people don't have the dream retirement that they hope that they can have. And so it became quite apparent to me throughout the last year, maybe year and a half, as I was nearing the end of my retirement, that things were not shaking out as I had hoped they would. You know, you always craft these dream scenarios and dream goals that were kind of my driver to keep training and racing. And that's what kept the dream alive for me. And throughout the year, I kept sort of missing those goals. And so it was just kind of becoming apparent that like, you're not necessarily in control of your own destiny. I would say in the moment when I found out that I had a stress fracture in my femur and I wasn't going to be able to race Kona, like it was a really tough pill to swallow. And I had a harder time with it more of like, what would other people think than maybe personally what I thought, like I actually held it really close and didn't publicly tell anyone about it because I didn't want to have to deal with the like people feeling bad and I'm so sorry because nobody is harder on me than myself. And I think ultimately like that's what unraveled the end of my career for me and really made it difficult for me was just so much pressure I put on myself and so much self-criticism. And so I did plenty of like beating myself up about it. And I would say in the moment it was super challenging, but now that I'm removed from it a little bit, like it's classic situation of you learn more in the valleys and the hard parts. And when you really have to like, look yourself in the mirror of like, those are what your true character traits are. And that's no different than the end of the Ironman, right? Where you have 10 K to go and you feel like it's one foot in front of the other 
just doing the best that you can. I know that like you grow in the difficult parts and it was kind of like, let's just embrace this. How can we make the best of the situation, turn a negative into a positive and just kind of look back with gratitude of like, hell yeah, what an awesome 17 year dream job. And what are we going to do next? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, because you brought Chris up, I love Chris because he's your husband and for a million other reasons, yet Chris and I also share a common love of Canadian exceptional coffee and donuts. And it's a really brilliant shop called Tim Hortons. And <laughs> I just love that Chris will cross the border and run to a Tim Hortons. Yet jokes aside about coffee and donuts, there is something that's really special that you allude to in such small ways on social. Some of the habits that you and Chris, it feels like are so natural, yet I can't help but think they have taken some some practice or some dedication. And whether that is gratitudes on Sundays, or I feel like Chris always has some interesting books or podcasts up his sleeve. And I'm wondering if you can share, like, is this a mutual commitment to self-development? Is this something that Chris is invested in that wears off on you? And what does that look like in the Corbin household? Ultimately, it's partnership, right? It's the ultimate partnership. And that's what I've found. And I mean, like I've had talks with psychologists of like, everything's going terrible in my life. But the one thing that's not terrible is my relationship with my husband. And like for that, I'm forever thankful for, like I realize it's just such a rare gift and I don't know how it is because like, we're both very independent people and it's like, we laugh all the time about how we found each other and, and found this partnership. But I think probably as you grow older too, you mature. And I think both Chris and myself have gotten curious about self-development and self-growth. And so I think it's a matter of like toying off of each other and like learning and sharing experiences. One thing that's kind of cool that we do that I think is applicable to a lot of people is at the end of the year, we spend some time together journaling and doing reflection. You want to look in the mirror at yourself, but sometimes you can't look in the mirror at yourself and evaluate that because you're too close to the fire. So the next best thing to do is like go to the person that's closest to you. And so we will talk through of like, here's 10 absolutely wonderful things that you did this year as a human being. And like, here's 10 areas where I think you can improve. And we rotate if you do the like self-improvement first or the like you want to end on a positive could like be the equivalent of basically marriage counseling, right? Or personal counseling. And it was brought up to me that like, this would be a great exercise to do. And you basically have to find the person that's closest to you that can be honest with you no matter what, and that you will not fly off the handle if they tell you something that's maybe offensive or uncomfortable. And it's kind of weird because it's like this neutral safe zone where you can critique the other person of like, on a business level, I think you could be better at this. And, you know, like our lives are so intertwined and we're so supportive of each other. So it's interesting that you can like give these subjective analysis of the other person. But I would say that that's like a very great foundation of our relationship is that like we sit there and then even throughout the thing, it's like, I have in the back of my mind, like we're only in January, but it's, you know, Chris, like, I think you could be better at self-love. I think you could be better like being kinder to yourself. And like, if you told me that I would kind of be like, I'll oh, screw you, Steph. Like, you don't know me. Right. And so today I went to yoga and it was like, this is self-love. Like I'm taking care of myself. I'm speaking kind words to myself. And so that, that's just like one example of my list of 10 things that I could be working on. 
I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter. We call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. That partnership both makes us better people and wants us to strive to be better people. So it's kind of a cool activity that maybe your listeners could be like, oh yeah, it's a bit of a ramble from what you initially asked, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so excellent. I feel like you could do this quarterly, a quarterly check-in of like, you are awesome here and here's how you could be awesome. Can you share with us one out of your list of 10 that make Chris great? (laughs) Oh, Chris, I mean, just in general, this wouldn't be like specific to this year of like things he did better with, but I mean, he is hands down, like the most positive, encouraging glasses, half full person that you'll ever, anyone that has like the opportunity to meet Chris, I'm like, you got to meet this guy because (laughs) you're going to leave a better person. Like he just has this positive energy, this smile that radiates a million Watts (laughs) and (laughs) So just being around him, I would say like, that's one of my favorite qualities about Chris is like, he's always so positive, so encouraging and like finds the light in any situation. He really does. Can you share with us one thing that he thought was awesome about you? Yeah. I mean, it's funny that I'm like, I have to think on, on that. It's but not yeah. funny because normally you would remember the areas that he said you needed to work on. That's yes. what you would remember. He would remember 20 things that made you great. Yeah, exactly. I think Chris was really proud of how I handled the retirement. I think I showed a lot of maturity and self-growth if that situation had happened to me three or four you know, years ago. And there was no pity party after it. It was kind of like, well, I did this to myself. <laughs> this is my situation. <laughs> And how am I going to move on from it? And I think he was really proud that showed a lot of maturity and self-growth in me as a person of like not sitting around and dwelling on it. And I mean, he is like, if you want to go another year, you can even go another year. And it was like, no, this is it. Like you don't need more of a sign to be done than a broken femur. Broken femur. <laughs> <laughs> then, then a set of crutches instead of an airplane yeah. ticket, right? Yeah. Fair enough. That's the perfect segue into my next question, which is a 17 year career that was beautiful. That was colorful. You have accolades that magazines and everyone else will deem beside your name forever. Yet I'm wondering when you look back, what you believe to be the moment or moments that you are most proud of. Yeah, I think the moments I'm most proud of would probably just be the consistency that I had. Chris will remind me all the time, like, not many people race professionally for 17 years. What you've tried to do or attempted to do is very hard to do. But looking back, I just am really proud of my consistency as an athlete. Like I was able to evolve with the sport as it changed and have an open mind to like different ways to train because you had to adapt your training and you as an athlete to sort of evolve with the sport. And then with that, just being consistent, you could almost always count on me to be fighting for the end of the top 10, you know, towards the end of the race and just be putting it out there. And yeah, I'm really proud. I would say of just the ability to keep showing up and race. And I think that there's a lot of personality traits probably that lent itself to that. I think it's a little too close to the fire still, but I know that in a few years, I'll look back and be like, 
holy cow, like, look at all this stuff I accomplished and did. And like, even now I'm in awe, my training, my ex training partners go and they're out there training and swimming and riding indoors. And I'm like, no, I don't even know how you're doing that right now. So Oh, too funny. I mean, here you are laughing and we're having a candid and awesome conversation about a career that has ended. And when these moments happen in people's careers, it's timely actually in, you know, the brink of a recession, people are losing their jobs and that's not on their terms either. And so it happens. And yet I think we glorify athletes that we think it's always these big celebration retirement parties. And you're like, well, not quite. And, you know, as you said, you're in your early 40s and you have half of your life left that will hopefully be as vibrant as the first 40. And so you've entered a new chapter. And what does that new chapter look like? And or, or rather, what would you like to tell us about this new chapter that's bringing you so much freaking joy, Corbin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I would definitely coin this latest chapter, the year of yes. <laughs> and that basically, I think that towards the end of my career, one of the things that got so hard was the constant no's. Like, no, I can't go camping or fishing with you, Chris. No, I can't go on family holiday. No, I can't go do this crazy adventure that my friends are doing that I'm very curious by. And for years, I would say no and not even think twice about it. It was like, I was so absorbed in what I was doing and driven by what I was doing. And curiosity is kind of what got the best of me the last few years and saying no was just it really ate me up inside. And so this year, this next chapter is just being able to say yes to so many things. And that's both on a physical, like fitness curiosity level, but then also on a, who am I and a path of self-discovery and what am I going to do next? And it's funny because I just trained for so long as an athlete. And I think a lot of my personal talents fell dormant in a lot Mm -hmm. of the areas where I succeeded in college and areas outside of triathlon, those kind of got stifled as particularly in the last like three, four years of my career. And I started to feel very one dimensional. And so now I've been tapping more into like, oh yes, I am a really creative person. Oh yes. Like I have the skill set of being self-motivated from being a triathlete, but I'm still self-motivated in other ways. Like, oh yeah, I really enjoy a schedule and I enjoyed a schedule as a triathlete, but I also enjoy like having a schedule and a plan now. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of fun. Like I said, you all of a sudden realize, oh yeah, I forgot. Like I am really good at copywriting or writing or, oh yeah, I'm really good with interpersonal communications. And so, yeah, I just want to basically be able to say yes to opportunities to learn more about myself. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of weird because I think some people want to have a definite, like I'm going to retire and then I'm going to become a teacher or I'm going to retire and become a coach. And I don't have like a specific answer of what am I going to do or what am I going to be, but I'm enjoying saying yes to as many opportunities as I can. And like, if anyone will listen, I'm like, ask me to do something. I'll probably say yes to it (laughs) just because, yeah, it's like, you get to be curious and and find out if you don't like it, then you can move on. And so the lower risk yeses are nice because it's just, (laughs) yeah, you get to, I guess, get to know yourself kind of all over again. So it's been really fun. That's so cool. I mean, I know we're not so far into the year of yes. Is there anything you've said yes to that? You're like, Oh, that's a no. Yeah. I have gotten a few job offers actually. Ah, And those are no's. (laughs) I went through a couple interview processes and they were almost like too big of commitment job offers for me where it's like, I don't want to be pigeonholed into one thing, particularly now. Like, I just think I've never been one to like pick a word for a year. 
a word came to me towards the end of last year. And that word was space. Mm. And so I want to basically give myself space to explore these opportunities in the way to say yes. So I did have a couple like more formal job opportunities come my way, which would have been amazing jobs that I probably would have been great at, but it's like, I feel like they would have put a ceiling on me and not not let me explore that space that I'm so excited about having finally. So there have been a few no's, but most people that ask me something, I'm like, sure, I'll go for it. Gosh, I feel like I see you as an animal. And if you were an animal right now, it's like you are an unbridled horse. It's just like, <laughs> let this woman run free. <laughs> Fast, slow, up a mountain, down a mountain, wherever, just let this horse run. The race horse. Oh, well, we have to wrap. And I love to wrap every podcast with one final question. And I have to tweak it a little bit for you, Linz, because the question normally is tell us about one goal that makes your heart beat faster. And yet what I really want to know is your relationship with goal setting when it's not against a clock, a placing, a paycheck, etc. It's not for a sponsor, a bonus. It's for you. And in a world where anything is really possible now, not to yeah. quote that tagline, <laughs> um, how have you gone about setting goals for 2023? And will you tell us one or two that you're really stoked about? Yeah. Well, I do have a fitness goal. <laughs> oh, will you share? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll totally share. I mean, it's my year. of Yes. So I am going to be running my first ever 50 K in Montana, yeah. the rut 50 K, which I hear is a very hard one. But I have been asked year after year to do it. And I keep saying no. And they were like, when you retire, you're going to have to say yes. And so I'm going to be doing a trail 50K. And I think it has 10,000 feet of climbing in it. Okay. Yeah. So that is real. Definitely, like, I feel like I'm going to be on the starting line and like have Ah. that feeling that I had before my first Ironman of like, what am I getting into? (laughs) When is that? What time of year is that? So that's in the early fall in September. September and then I'm going to finish it up with doing an open marathon. So I'm very curious of what it will be like to run a marathon without riding 112 miles beforehand. Before, I love if it. you're going to run a marathon, like just go big. So I'm going to be running New York city marathon. Right on. That is awesome. Yeah. And I want to like run it like a normal person. Like I'm going for the atmosphere. I'm going, like I joked with someone, I was like, I'm not going to win it. And Chris was like, I can't believe you just told them you're not like, you're not winning it. Duh. <laughs> I was like, but I just don't want people to get this idea of like, oh, I, I'm just curious of like a person with proper life balance. That's not like a professional athlete and a 40 year old, like fit yeah. how fast I could go but I'm not willing to, I guess, sacrifice other areas of my life that I sacrificed for 17 years to reach a certain goal. So I'm, I I don't know. It's just like this whole new space to navigate and and what it will look like. Yeah. So those are kind of my two big fitness goals. So I answered the question I wasn't supposed to answer. (laughs) No, it's so great. I wanted to know if your relationship with goal setting would change. And what I'm hearing, which is so beautiful. And I just live for is like, there can be a start line and it can be a sweaty start line. It can be a new start line. It can be a dirty trail start line. 
And the fire that burns is like, how can I be a better person today and do other things that are going to make me full of joy? And I'll see you on a start line. And how fun is that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I am just excited. Like even the other day I was on a run and I felt terrible and my pace slowed down, but I was seeing other people out there that were just hobby joggers. And then I had to remind myself, like, you're a hobby jogger now, (laughs) right? It's like, you don't like, it doesn't matter if you're out there running slow, like you're just out there doing it, which is what like 99% of the population does for fitness. Right. So I'm, I definitely, I can't say like, oh, I don't want to push myself anymore because I definitely do. That's not the case at all, but it's just like, push myself with an asterisk next to it, I guess of like, I just think fitness is going to look different in six months from now or eight months from now. Like we could sit down and have a conversation. This may totally change, but for where I'm at right now, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm with the hobby joggers. (laughs) Well, Linz, you can't quite call yourself a hobby jogger yet. And (laughs) I'll see you on the other side of your first 50 K and something tells me that you might get hooked and (laughs) who knows, but it all sounds delicious. And I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day because I know it's structured and I know you're full of lots of yeses and yeah, your words and your perspective have always, always, always meant so much. And today is no different. So thank you so much. Yay. Thanks. Great chatting with you and anyone invite me to do something. (laughs) I just may say yes. (laughs) Oh, Hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.